What's up, everybody? Welcome back to First Down Rundown. I am your host, Hayden Vozar. I have with me here one of your co-hosts, Matt Vozar, again on the show. It's Saturday today, which is weird because, like I said, on Tuesday, we probably would only be recording on Tuesdays because we were only planning on doing weekly shows. But it's Saturday, and I want to start getting out two shows per week if possible. So that's why we're recording on Saturday today. It's going to be a little bit of a different episode today than it would be on a Tuesday. We're not really going over a bunch of different sports. We're going to focus mainly on college football today. And we're going to talk about the coaching carousel that is that will happen basically after after college football season ends. And we're going to talk about all the head coaching jobs that are opening up and that have opened up already. And we're going to be talking about other coaching jobs that may open up depending on whether or not they fire their head coach and stuff like that. So we're going to be talking about possible landing spots for those coaches and then also possible coaches that will fill the spots at the teams that are in need of a head coach. So, yeah, we're going to do more of a free episode today. It's not going to be as structured and as categorical as our other as our other episodes. So, yeah, we hope you guys like it. And it's Saturday, so there's college football on today, and there's a lot of games on today that will mean a lot to the college football playoff. But, again, that's why we're not talking about the college football playoff today is because we still have games left to go, and we already talked about it on Tuesday. So this coming Tuesday, you best believe we're going to come out with an episode talking about the new rankings and everything like that. So stay tuned for that. But getting right into it, college football coaching carousel. First, we're going to go over all of the head coaching jobs that are that are open right now, for sure. Like the, the ones that we know are going to be open at the end of the season. And then we're going to go over some possible coaching jobs that might open up at certain teams. And then we're going to of course, get into where we think those coaches are going, who we think will take their jobs. So starting out, we've got LSU, Ed Orgeron is out. We've got Clay Heldon out at USC. And we already know that Clay Heldon is going to, going to Georgia Southern, so we won't really need to talk about him much. We've got Justin Fuente out at Virginia Tech. We've got Gary Patterson out at TCU and Jimmy Lake out at Washington. These are, these are the big teams. There's some other coaching jobs that have opened up, I think, at like FIU and a couple other kind of, I think like Akron, a couple other smaller schools. But there's, I mean, I'm, I'm probably not going to talk about those schools because they don't really matter that much. We're really kind of just sticking to the, the Power Five conferences here. So I'm going to let Matt go ahead and kind of start out with what he wants to say. And I'm, I'm just going to, you know, conversation with him. Yeah. So, um, you know, right. Just first off, we're, we're keeping the content train flowing. We got, we got coal burning in the oven. It's on a roll and it's not stopping. We're bringing it. Um, yeah. So, so that's kind of the, the, the deal with these, uh, you know, kind of weekend episodes, give you guys something to listen to on the weekends, uh, which is, which is, you know, sports related, but, but not necessarily something that's, you know, hot topics out there, you know, cold takes, all that stuff. Um, just kind of a general discussion, what's going on, you know, kind of have a focus, uh, but less, as Hayden said, less categorical, less rigid um, in the actual structure of the schedule. So we thought the college football coaches coaching carousel would be a perfect 
segment, uh, you know, or, or kind of topic to talk about today. Um, because right, it's kind of, we're, we're nearing the end of the college football season. We have information on a lot of the coaches who have been, who have been fired. Um, and then there's also teams that we'll talk about this later too. teams who aren't performing as well as they should, who have coaches who have been there for a while, some who have not been there for a while. And it's, you know, we will kind of also get into maybe what coaches should be fired, um, you know, coming up here in the off season. Uh, so, right. So as Hayden mentioned, we, we have kind of a few of the, of the power five programs, um, who have already fired their coaches. Um, it's, it's really amazing to see uh, Ed Ogeron be fired at LSU. I think obviously there's the off the field issues where, you know, he was, he was bringing his like, so first of all, he divorced his wife right after he won the college football playoff two years ago. He's been like bringing his girlfriends to practice. He's been like all over the town. And obviously this guy's a legend, you know, in, in, uh, in, in LSU, or, you know, LSU territory because of how, you know, because of how great that team was. And so he kind of almost let his ego get in front of him and, and really, you know, kind of, kind of tore down the, the program from the inside out. Um, and so he kind of had to be fired because of, again, off the field issues, but I think it's, it really goes to say how, you know, you can win a, it is so hard to win a national championship. You have to be, there are 130 FBS college football programs and to be the very best is so hard. And he did that two years ago, right? Less than two years ago. And now, you know, less than two years later, he's already gone um, because, you know, LSU has a losing record now. And, and, and obviously every, there was a lot made about kind of how it was a perfect storm at LSU in 2019 when you had the insanity, uh, you know, the combination of, of players and talent that they had on offense. Uh, and, and obviously no one was ever going to stop them, but, but right here we are less than two years later and he's already fired. Um, the USC thing with Clay Helton, I think that's kind of just, he was always good enough, but not never, not ever really great. Right. And I think that's kind of going to be another theme of this episode too, is like, a lot of these programs that are firing their coaches are programs who expect greatness. And, and so how, you know, kind of how that's, how that's figured out in terms of whether or not the coaches are actually truly winning, um, you know, it is really kind of puts them on the hot seat quicker because of the expectations of how great these programs should be. Um, someone like a Virginia tech, someone like a TCU or a Washington uh, where the other coaches kind of were fired from are, are definitely, you know, storied programs in college football, but aren't necessarily the historical powerhouses who, who are, you know, who are, who have such great expectations, who, whose boosters are giving millions and millions of dollars every single year, just for the sake of their pro football program to succeed. Um, and so the other kind of, the other, you know, teams who we're looking at here, specifically Virginia Tech, TCU, and Washington are more, you know, they're, they're used to being successful programs and they're kind of just, they're kind of just mediocre as of right now, right? They're, they they can find someone else who can kind of uplift the programs. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I'm not sure how much Hayden has really, you know, thought about who's going to fill the job at TCU. But if, if you have any Hayden that you would like to mention, maybe possible candidates to fill these jobs, uh, you know, go ahead, go ahead and mention them. Yeah, for sure. So I've, I've done a little bit of research and obviously I've done a little bit of thinking myself. And I think that, one possible person that might that people might not really be thinking of as as maybe a fit for Washington, it would be Deion Sanders. And so Deion Sanders is at Jackson State right now, and of course he he wants to make it to the big league team. You know, Jackson State they're 
I'm pretty sure they're D one, but they're not, they're not anything like the power fives and, you know, they, they're a small school. And so it's good for him to get a, a start at a place like Jackson state, but obviously he wants to move up and he wants, he wants to be in, you know, in, in the big leagues, in the big leagues with the power five conferences. And I think a, a place like TCU would be kind of a fit for him. I mean, I mean, you know, like we said, TCU, they've had Gary Patterson since I think 2001. And so the, he's been their coach for 20 years. So they've had, they've had a lot of consistency there for 20 years. And I think a guy like Deion Sanders coming in, it's great for the players because Deion Sanders, he's a charismatic guy. You know, he's, he's going to get recruits, dude. Like it's Deion Sanders who wouldn't want to play for Deion Sanders. And so I think it would be great for TCU to bring him in. You know, it would be, it would be super beneficial for their program and super beneficial for their recruiting. And again, yeah, with college coaches, you want a guy that is charismatic. You want a guy that's going to be able to bring in players because head coaches in college football are, are a huge reason of why kids come to that college to play. You know, it, it's, I think I've said this before in, in, in past pot and past episodes, but college coaches, they have a lot more responsibility when it comes to, you know, bringing players in rather than the NFL where a head coach is kind of just, he kind of just takes care of logistical stuff and doesn't really, you know, he, he connects with the players, but he's, it's, it's, he's not as important when it comes to um, players signing and all that and players wanting to play for a team. And so, yeah, I think that Deion Sanders would be great for, for TCU. I think that Gary Patterson, again, it, it's kind of sad to see him go because he has done, he, he has done well. And in, in order to spend 20 years at a program, you have to be a good coach and I think he, I mean, he's been on the hot seat like a couple of times. Like this, this isn't the first time that he's, you know, that, that he's, that people have wanted him to leave TCU, but he's, I think, I think it was like 2004 and then like 2013 or something like that. There's, there's been two other times where he's basically been like close to being fired. Yeah, there is. Um, but I think the, the more the story kind of thing here is like, TCU start when he got to TCU, they were still in the Mountain West Conference. Um, and they were kind of, you know, again, that's a group of five conference. That's not the Big 12. That's not the, you know, the, the Big 10, yeah. the SEC, all that stuff. So they were in the they were in the Mountain West. They won the Mountain West so many times that they basically just had to move to a power five uh, conference. And they so they so they kind of you know moved into the Big 12. And then in 2014, they had essentially an undefeated year. They um they, uh, I think they went, they went uh, 11 and one or something like that. And they made the college football playoff, I think in its inaugural year. Um, and so that was kind of the culmination of like, you know, he took this program from really being not, a nothing team in the, in the mountain West conference. Like who the heck is paying attention to that um, to not only getting out of the mountain West to go to a bigger conference, but also winning that big conference and being, you know, one of the four best teams, uh, you know, in, in college football as of, you know, as of 2014, and then obviously kind of it's declined over the years, but, but yeah, I think, I think that's a cool, that's a cool, uh, a cool, a cool thought for, for someone like Deion Sanders to go there. Um, I was going to kind of go towards, let's, let's think about the Virginia tech job a little bit here. Um, clearly, you know, after, uh, after Frank Beamer left, you know, it was kind of, who no one's ever really going to replace a guy like that. Right. Um, but I think two options that we have that are kind of up and coming coaches who, you know, you a lot of you guys probably won't have any idea who they are, but obviously, you know, I'm, I'm a nerd with this kind of stuff. So Louisiana Lafayette's coach, his name is Billy Napier. He's been there for, I think three or four years. And 
he's had an insane winning streak. I mean, this guy is like, he obviously they're not going undefeated every year or whatever, but they've been nine and one, 10 and one, like every single year so far. Um, he's a really great, solid football coach. And I think that he would fit the culture of Virginia Tech very well because that's that's kind of the nature of, you know, the nature of the school. Um, and and they they need to recruit in Virginia. They need to recruit. And so and that's exactly what Baylor Napier has been able to do at Louisiana Lafayette. Another guy um, who, who's gotten a little bit more notoriety than Billy Napier, I would say, is Jamie Chadwell. He's the coach of Coastal Carolina, who over the past couple of years, I mean, obviously we saw last year, they came out of absolutely nowhere. They were expected to finish last in the Sun Belt. That's the conference that they're in. They were expected to finish last in the Sun Belt last year. They won the entire thing. And obviously we saw they were undefeated in the regular season. And then they lost to Liberty in the bowl game. But like, they came out of absolutely nowhere. They have a solid team. They have a really great, you know, kind of st- stable, uh, you know, uh- coaching staff um and i think that's something that jamie chadwell can bring to to virginia tech is just this winning mentality of being able to you know instill an offense that you know if you've ever watched coastal carolina they basically run a spread triple option and it's like you have absolutely no clue where the ball is going at all at all times on any given play um and and with the amount of athletes that virginia tech has i think that's very you it, it's very practical to to kind of see that you know you something like this can be transferred to a bigger program like Virginia Tech. So I think those are two good options for Virginia Tech. It's a little bit more, you know, kind of local. Both of those teams are, you know, a little bit further south, but not too far away from Virginia Tech. Um, and, and with the recruiting that these guys have done and, you know, and, and the, 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 the consistent success that they've had, I think that would be, those would two be very uh, good options for, for Virginia Tech going forward. Yeah. Also, one, one other thing that I want to talk about in terms of Justin Fuente leaving is the fact that, UVA plays Virginia Tech next week or yeah, next weekend, the weekend after Thanksgiving. And that was huge news. Like when I, when I heard that Justin Fuente was leaving Virginia Tech, first of all, I was surprised. I, I didn't think that was going to happen because I mean, like Matt said, like they've been, they've been decent. I mean, they've been ranked in probably every season for the past five, six years. Like they, I mean, I, at least for some of the season, you know, and so like, you, usually they're in like the twenties or so, but I mean, it's, they're still usually a top 25 team in the country. And so, yeah, it was, I mean, <laughs> my voice is cracked, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was just, it was a little bit surprising to see him leave. And again, that just, I think they're, uh, I think they're five and six or something, or I think they were five and five, maybe up until this, I think, yeah, no, maybe five, five and six up until this point. And so, it's probably this season that was kind of like the last straw for Justin Fuente. But again, it, it kind of just shows how these college coaches, like if you have, you can have one bad season and dude, you're out. Like it's, 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 uh, it's crazy stuff out there. And, you know, college coaches that you would, you would think that it's a little bit easier than in the NFL, but like, even in the NFL, I feel like, I feel like teams are a little bit more gracious towards their head coaches. Maybe not, maybe I'm just tripping, but, I think that in college it's, it's, it's even worse just because again, like you have so much responsibility. And so if you're, if you're the head coach of a program and you're not, you're not running that program, like, you know, like, like everybody wants you to at at the school, then you're out because it's, it's more of a, it's more of like a democratic thing. I feel like than, than in an an NFL team, but yeah, I I was just really happy to see Justin Fuente go on because obviously if a team loses their head coach, you know, they, they're not probably not going to do as well in a big game. Like they, like they, like they would, if they had their head coach. So yeah, I mean, we'll see about that game. I, 
I really hope UVA can pull it out, but that's just kind of one, something that I wanted to say about Virginia Tech. Okay, moving on to the next topic here. Obviously, we're still you know within the within the world of college coaching. Let's talk about Lane Kiffin a little bit. So he is currently the coach at Ole Miss. Uh, he's been there for for two for two years now, um, and they've been really great ever since he got there. Um, obviously, under Hugh Freeze, their last coach, they they were you know the defense was crazy, and you know and they had some really good years, and then kind of in between. Um, after Hugh Freeze left and before Lane Kiffin got there, they were, you know, they were kind of around the bottom of the SEC. Now they're back up there and, and it's mostly because of their offense. And so Lane Kiffin, though, in, in kind of his his storied history as a coach, I mean, he's kind of been everywhere. Um, so he's bounced around to a lot of different places. But you could argue that he got snubbed at USC. Uh, which is where he originally started his career. He was the offense. He was offense coordinator there. Um, and then when they fired, I guess it was made him might have been back when Pete Carroll was there. Uh, maybe maybe the guy after him, but um, he he should have probably taken over, but he he didn't. Um, and so he he really started his college career there. Um, and but he's now kind of like as I said, he, he's one of the greatest minds in college football. I mean, he, offensively speaking, um, you know, it just it's, it's so funny to watch if you see all these videos of, you know, whenever he knows a play is right or he sees a guy running down the field he'll throw the clipboard up in the air. He'll start running down the sideline. It's, it's great. It's really fun to watch. And if you guys ever get a chance, definitely check out just Ole Miss highlights or something, you know, from the last couple of years, because it's you know, it's great. We talked about Alabama last year. You know, they they were they they blew out everyone. They shut down everyone. But Ole Miss put up like 60 points on him and it was it was a really great game to watch so um I guess kind of the question here is like you know since he's had had success at Ole Miss uh you know and obviously with their big win over Texas A&M last week do we think that he'll be willing to leave Ole Miss potentially for one of these big big openings like an LSU like a USC uh or or will he kind of just stay where he's at you know and, and and try to build up the Ole Miss program there yeah, I think I think the easy answer to this would be no, he doesn't want to move somewhere else and he wants to just stay at, at Ole Miss because right, he's he's built up such a good reputation there. And it's kind of like for him, I feel like by now, it's he's kind of he's probably thinking, okay, I've bounced around so many places in the you know in the past 10 years, and I finally have a place where I'm very respected and I'm and I'm wanted, right? And so he doesn't want to lose that he doesn't want a chance going to USC or going to an LSU and possibly you know blowing up the program in 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 some way because because you know different teams have different ways of of running their program and you know like Lane Kiffin he definitely wouldn't fit everywhere but again at at a place like Ole Miss at a school an, an SEC school who has a chance in the SEC basically every year and always has a chance to beat Alabama that's like that's one of Alabama's you know um, Achilles heels is, is Ole Miss every year. Like they, they always have a chance to lose against Ole Miss. It's, it's pretty much them and Texas A&M. We saw Texas A&M beat Alabama this year. And we saw, again, yeah, we, we saw Ole Miss kind of stay in there with them this year. But I think, I think, yeah, the easy answer to this is that he's, he's comfortable at, at Ole Miss and he doesn't, I mean, he doesn't need to, win, to go anywhere else. It would be awesome to see him go to another team. And again, build up an offense like he has it at, at Ole Miss, but I, I just don't really see him doing that. 
Yeah, and I think the, the the kind of the weird part about this is he actually has gone so many places. And so it's weird to kind of think like, oh, you know, he's finally going to settle down. Well, he hasn't really ever settled down before. Yeah. Um, you know, he after he, you know, after he, I think he spent a couple of years at USC. Then he was the offensive coordinator at Alabama when they were, you know, when they were basically just going back and trading championships with Clemson, uh, you know, back in the late 2010s. Um, and then, then he was the coach at Florida Atlantic for a couple of years. And then he got the Ole Miss job. So, you know, he, he's definitely kind of been everywhere. And he's been successful everywhere he's been um and so right and so it'd be interesting to see kind of like is he just is that just how he's going to be a coach he's just going to kind of go to everywhere before he's able to you know actually settle down somewhere or right is this somewhere where he is respected where he has you know really really brought the the standard of the Ole Miss team up a lot um one thing that happened this past week, though, was he did because people were asking about him. Right. And, and, you know, I mean, with all these great, you know, big openings and how well he's done with Ole Miss, you know, would he be willing to take one of these jobs? He basically said no to all of them. But he did note he said um, that that Miami, the University of Miami, might be the only place that he that he'd leave to, um, which is an interesting kind of <clears throat> interesting switch, because it's like, you know, I, I don't I mean, you know, Miami has been really bad for, for, for a lot of years now. And so I do think with the storied nature of that program with the, you know, the 2000 team and, and how great that they were, um, you know, you know, 20 and 30 years ago that he could kind of bring them back to greatness. And I think that that's probably where his mind is at there. Um, and so, so it's kind of interesting though, that he, that he talked about, you know, leaving Ole Miss for a job where the coach hasn't even been fired yet. Obviously Manny Diaz has, has come under some fire and he may be on the hot seat, but, um, but that's funny. I think too, is like Ole Miss or, you know, Lane Kiffin's gone to all these different jobs in the past. And, you know, the one, the one place that he wants to go now is a place that, you know, probably, you know, might fire their head coach, but he still has a job there. He's still, you know, it's not really, you know, a huge deal in the news of like, okay, this guy's definitely gonna be fired. Um, and so, and so, right. And so I think we kind of can only wait until the end of the season to find out, but I think it, that would be a really interesting move if he were to leave Ole Miss for Miami, because I think Ole Miss has a lot of talent and they have a lot of, you know, recruiting sub channels, uh, whereas Miami, you know, obviously they do, but if, if people, if kids haven't really been wanting to go to, you know, Miami for the past, however long, you know, is, is, is Lane Kiffin going to be the one reason that changes, you know, everybody's minds in terms of the, you know, how the program will be, will be carried forward from here on out. Um, you know, that, that'll be really interesting to see. Yeah. I would, I would want to go play for Lane Kiffin, no doubt. You know, we've seen what he, what he's done with Matt Corral this season and him and Matt Corral are like best buds at Ole Miss. So it's, it's, it's cool to see that. And yeah, again, like if he, if he can go to Miami and, and turn things around, then he should do that. But again, like that's, that's uncertain. And he, what he does have at Ole Miss is certain right now. So I think, I don't know. I think he should stay there, but moving on, we've got, so we talked about some, some teams that, you know, some, some top five conference teams that have job openings already and that have already fired their coaches, but we wanted to talk about a couple teams that haven't fired their coaches, but are, you know, it's kind of the situation's a little bit sketchy. And so those two teams right now are, are Michigan and Penn State. So obviously we've got James Franklin at Penn State and then we've got Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. And both of these guys, right, we've we've seen Michigan and Penn State in the past have been powerhouses, but of late they haven't really been that. And so they haven't had a lot of success and both coaches, I mean, you look at them and you're like, okay, well, what are you really doing here? You know, you're not like, yeah, you're respected as, as, as a coach of these great programs, but if you haven't really done much, then, you know, 
do you really belong there? And so, so just to go over some numbers for you, James Franklin has an overall record of 66 and 32, but he's two and 11 against top 10 teams. And likewise with Jim Harbaugh, he's, he has an overall record of 58 and 23, but an 0 and 13 record against top 10 teams, which is insane to think about. Like, I, I don't even know how that happens because again, like you're both of those teams, top 10 contenders, almost every single year you would think, but they can't beat top 10 teams. And it's just, it's, it's crazy to see that, that these kinds of big 10 teams, again, like they, you know, they've, they, they have the looks of it, but they can't really, they can't really walk the walk. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's the part where it's, you know, kind of like, okay, well, what are we going to do with these guys? Because they have such great records and they recruit well, and they have big, you know, big expectations going into the season every year and they get great players. I mean, you know, all the Penn state running backs that have you know come through and they've, you know, had success in the NFL. And, and now you have, you know, Sean Clifford who's been there forever and he's really great. Obviously all the recruits that, that Michigan's gotten, they are kind of, you know, the one team that I would say in college football, that's really just missing a quarterback. If they had had a good solid quarterback for the last, ever since Jim Harbaugh has been there, I think they'd be competing for national championships every year. But at the end of the day, you know, the record speaks for itself. And so as Hayden mentioned, they've, they've won all of the games that they're supposed to win, but they haven't won any of the games that they're not supposed to win, right? They haven't upset, you know, any of these big teams. And, and as we've seen, Ohio State's run the Big Ten for however long. Um, you know, Penn State had stuck snuck one year in there, you know, and then that was kind of where, you know, where you see James Franklin's top 10 record increase. But at the end of the day, like, how much are these guys really going to, you know, earn past what they've already done? Because they just aren't, you know, doing more than what they're supposed to do. And so you kind of end up with a situation of mediocrity, right? <clears throat> and, and like, it's good. They're, they're good coaches. They're solid coaches. They have, you know, they have this big kind of this, these great records, but it's like, if you can't, if you can't get over the hump, if you can't win these games against, you know, these big games, these hyped games, you know, then, then what's really the point of all this. And so I think really what, you know, what will be interesting to see is how Michigan plays Ohio state next week. That's going to be like, you know, the biggest game of next week. It's going to be, you know, for the Big Ten Championship, kind of everything is falling into place there. But if we see Michigan lose by double digits or more to Ohio State next week, assuming assuming that, you know, well, if, even if Ohio State doesn't beat Michigan State today, if Michigan loses to Ohio State in, in you know, in pretty big fashion, you know, what is there to say about Jim Harbaugh? He got an extension this, this past summer for like five more years. And it's like, I get it. You know, at least they're not, you know, going, not having a losing record, right? I think like, like we said with, with LSU and Ed Ogeron, like LSU has a losing record this year. That's, you know, with the amount of talent that LSU has, you should be able to at least keep a winning record. Michigan and Penn State always have a winning record. But again, it's just, they always come up short in these big games, these big spots where they're expected to win. And so it'll be, yeah, it'll be definitely, it'll be really interesting to see who comes out on top in that Michigan and Ohio State game next week. Um, and I think that if, if Michigan doesn't win, you know, I mean, obviously they're not going to be expected to win. Ohio State's going to be favored. They're the better team. And I do think that Ohio State will win, but in the, it, it depends on the nature in which they win. And if it's very, very convincing, 
it's just going to be more of the same. And, and again, you know, with these big programs who have so much booster money and, and such good recruiting talent, you know, it's, it's definitely good to have a, a winning record. You're expected to have a winning record. And that's exactly what these coaches are producing. James Franklin and Jim Harbaugh have winning records and they're well over 500. So they're not losing any of these games that they're expected to win. Right. It's not like they're going into Rutgers and, and, and losing by 20, um, you know, but, but at the same time, there's, there's something that has to be said for the fact that you aren't really excelling at your job over what your expectations are. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, just kind of piggybacking off of what Matt said, like if the college football playoff now, we, we know that the college football playoff values big wins and they, they value strength of schedule and everything, which is great. But again, for these, these Michigan and Penn state teams and other, and you know, you know, other teams that can't, show up against bigger teams, they're not going to, they're never going to have a chance to make it into the playoff unless they have some cakewalk schedule where, you know, they luck out with a win maybe against, against an, an, an Ohio state, you know, like Michigan pulls off the upset or whatever like that. And then that that's the only, only way that they're going to get into the playoff. And so it's again, yeah, it's, it's sad to see, but like you got to kind of face the facts and say, okay, well, if these coaches are expected to be so good and they're expected to, they're, you know, they're expected to have winning records. Well, if they're not making it to the playoff, they're not really big time. And, you, you know, you might need to move on. But again, it's also kind of hard to move on from a big coach like that and then find somebody else that's going to fill their shoes and perform even better. Because, again, like there's a lot of coaches out there, but not every coach is going to be able to make, make I mean, um, lead your lead your team to the playoff. So, yeah. And I also wanted to note that for Michigan, they like yeah, their team kind of is is iffy this year, but and has been iffy in past years. But they have two edge rushers that I've seen both of them go in the top ten on on some mock drafts, and that's Hutchinson and, and Ojabo. I've seen both of them go in the top ten on, in 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 draft boards. So they have a crazy pass rush. We know that, or pass rush and you know rush defense. But it'll be interesting to see where those guys go. And it's just kind of, it kind of reiterates the fact that defense in the big 10, never a problem. It's just the offenses. Like Matt said, Michigan's quarterback situation, they've never really had a good quarterback. And so it's just kind of interesting to see how, you know, a conference could be just so one-sided in terms of, in terms of offense or defense. So I guess moving on here um, to a couple of coaches that we think might get fired by the end of the season that are kind of on the hot seat. And I kind of want to let Matt take it off here. Uh, So, yeah. So, so what we're going to get into now is a couple of coaches whose teams haven't been performing as well as they should. uh, And, and the expectations have been there. They've been, you know, there for, for a while and still, you know, not getting that much success out of it, uh, especially this year. So three, three schools of note here, we have Florida, with Dan Mullen, uh, Florida State with Mike Norvell, and Miami with Manny Diaz. Now, what do we notice about all of those three schools? They're all in Florida. What do we know about Florida? They are always, at, you know, top three with basically, you know, Texas and California as the other schools of high school recruits, talent. Like, it is insane in Florida how much high school football is, is you know, is praised and, and, and how well, you know, these guys are playing. And, these are the biggest schools in Florida 
and they're not getting the talent out of the kids who are going there. How can you not recruit in your own state? You know, any of these three teams, right? If you had one of these, you know, one of these teams, as obviously, you know, like like in, in 2013 and 14, when, you know, when Jimbo Fisher was the head coach of Florida State, they were getting that Florida talent. And and Florida and, uh, and Miami weren't that good back then, right? But at least you had one school who was doing really well in, you know, in the late 2000s. You know, 2006, 2007, Florida, you know, when Urban Meyer was their head coach, they won two back-to-back national championships. And Florida State and, you know, in Miami, they weren't that great back then. But you had at least one of these schools competing and winning for national championships. Let's go to the other one. Who haven't we mentioned yet? Oh, Miami. Oh, yeah, that's right. For basically 10 years, 1990 to like 2000, you know, 2002, 2004, like they were the powerhouse. They were the dynasty in college football. Florida and, and Florida State, they weren't doing that great, but at least you had one school, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, kind of making their mark. And so you have over the past three decades, at least one of these schools has been dominating college football and they've done so with the recruiting and the talent that they've pulled from their own state. What do they have to show for it now? Really not that much. Florida was good last year. Obviously, we saw they got to the SEC championship. They almost beat Alabama in the SEC championship last year. Um, but when you lose Kyle Trask and you lose Kyle Pitts and you lose a lot of pieces on that defense, and it, um, uh, what's his name? Um, the guy who was drafted by the Giants this year, too. Um, Kavarius Tony, he, yeah. you know, th- that's a lot of talent that you're losing on offense. And obviously, you're not expected to, you know, be great right after that. But Right. I think at the, the end of the day, it's like there, there's a lot of expectation that's coming upon these coaches and they're not really performing. Um, and so you see that, you know, these are great historical powers in college football and they're not really performing well. I think it's kind of fun, to be honest, because I'm one of the guys who, you know, I root for the little guys. And so it's really nice to not see, you know, Florida State, Miami and Florida always winning all the time. But at the end of the day, like they have so much money and they have so much, you know, pull in 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 the in the nature of the sport just because of the history and how much they've won in the past you know it's it's really going to be interesting to see whether or not any of these coaches uh you know do kind of bite the dust obviously like florida has a has a losing record this year florida state has a losing record this year miami i think is 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 five and five um and so you know they're they're kind of fighting for bowl eligibility um but you know after Derek king leaves you know leaves uh leaves college football as the quarterback of miami um and then their their best receiver charleston rambo what a name i mean charleston rambo like are you kidding me yeah. I, I swear these guys are placed like built-in you know incubators and they're just given names at birth it's like this guy is going to play college football and he's gonna be amazing but but yeah so so after those guys leave you know who are you bringing in you know after that i think tyler van dyke the backup quarterback from miami he's actually a, he's a freshman he's been playing really well as of late so maybe they have some hope there and, and maybe that's you know maybe tyler van dyke is the reason that you know that that manny diaz is able to save his job and and obviously as we talked about before lane kiffin you know mentioned that he would want to go to miami so uh and and we can only imagine Imagine what he'd be able to do with Tyler Van Dyke, you know, a, an up and coming freshman who's who's proven that he's really good. Um, so, right. So it's kind of like, what do we do with this? And, and obviously, you know, I'm not going to come out with any hot takes about, oh, this guy should be fired. This guy should be fired. But at the same time, it's like, you know, we talked about Michigan and Penn State right before this at least those teams are winning the games that they should be winning, right? They're not going, they're not losing, they're not letting up 56 points to FCS Samford. I mean, are you kidding me? Florida lets Samford 
Samford, S-A-M-F-O-R-D, Samford, score 56 points in them. Now, of course, Florida scored 70 points, but it's like that should not be where your program is at, you know, having won so many national championships and having so much talent in your area. Like if you're letting up 56 points to Samford, like, you know, I keep wanting to say Stanford because it's like that's who they should be losing to, right? So, yeah, so that's, that's kind of the interesting point here is like, you know, are they, are they going to be fired? I don't really know. I'm not really going to call for anyone's job. Um, but it's just interesting to note kind of how, how these powerful schools have really, really fallen over the past few years. Yeah. And, and just to kind of put that in a bigger scope, like we, two of these schools that Matt, Matt, that Matt's been talking about, both Miami and Florida state are in the, are in the ACC. And we've seen the fall of the ACC recently, like just drastically, like they, they fell off a cliff. And I think, I mean, like Matt said, Miami hasn't really been anything since the two, the early 2000s. But like we I mean, Florida State with Jameis Winston, they won that national championship. And basically after Jameis Winston left, they just went so downhill so fast. And I think that that I think Florida State going downhill kind of marked the downfall of the whole ACC as a conference. Of course, we saw, you know, we've seen Clemson in recent years kind of trade-off championships with Alabama and LSU that one year. And they've, they've always been in, in, in the running. But again, this year, Clemson falling off a cliff. Like, they, they're not even in the discussion for the playoff. They're not in the top 10, haven't been in the top 10 for almost the whole season. And so it's just like, you know, they, they get recruits. Like, they got great recruits, but they can't perform. And I don't know if this is something to do with Dabo Sweeney. It probably isn't because – we know that Dabo Sweeney, I mean, he's been good enough to lead them to such great teams every year in the past. But again, like on a bigger scale, the ACC has just been so atrocious in, in past years. And it's just like, when is this going to end? You know, like what, when are we finally going to have a team that's solid in the ACC? This year we see Wake Forest step up and that's that's surprising. But again, it, and like, like Matt said, I'm a big proponent of the underdogs and, and the, the little guys. And it's great to see that Wake Forest is up there. But again, it's an ACC team, and I think the college football playoff guys are looking at this like, oh, well, if an ACC, if a one-loss ACC team is in the top four, that has no merit because the ACC sucks now, you know. So that's that, that's another thing to add to it. Again, it's not really anything to add to the coaches' situations because, like we said, we're not gonna say anybody should be fired or anything like that. But again, it's just kind of the coaches are the coaches are the starting point of a college program. And that's where you need to, you know, you need to build everything up from the coaches. And we haven't really seen that recently in the ACC. So a bigger point here that we can kind of talk about too, and and I heard this on another podcast, and I think it was really, really insightful, is, okay, so we've talked about all these coaches who aren't necessarily having a lot of success and they're not winning games like they were expected to do, you know, at the beginning of each season, all the expectations that are lined up against them. And so it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, and, and as we saw before, you know, we're talking about Ed Ogeron, like, you know, you really only get like two or three years. Hayden mentioned before, he's like, it's, you basically, it's it's insane how quickly you have to win in order to keep your job at this point when you're with a college football team. The other side of this coin though, is like, Okay, so let's say you have a guy who's your coach and he's been doing well and, you know, and they're winning the games they're supposed to win. Maybe they're not competing for a national championship every year, but they're still, you know, they're leading your team to at least a winning record. You're having, you know, a lot of a lot of success there. If you're not 
who are you going to get, right? So it, let's let's say for these examples, you know, Manny Diaz at Miami. Okay, sure, you know, maybe we can hire Lane Kiffin. There, you know, there's a possible replacement. If Dan Mullen leaves Florida and Mike Norvell leaves Florida State, who, what coaches are they going to bring in that can immediately, that they know will immediately turn around the program? As I mentioned with Virginia Tech, I'm talking about guys who are coaching, you know, possible replacements, guys who are coaching at Louisiana Lafayette and Coastal Carolina, right? Who knows what they're going to be able to do? Obviously, they've had success at these little schools, but when they get, you know, all the talent, all the booster money, all these expectations put on them, what are they going to be? Are they actually going to be able to perform as well as they have at these, you know, Sunbelt schools? Who knows? And so when you have this kind of, you know, this, this, this cycle, the cyclical nature of, you know, if you're, if you, if you have a losing record in one season and you're a storied, you're a storied program in college football, you have to immediately fire a coach. Who are you going to get? And I think a perfect, a perfect example of this, this year, and it's playing out right before our eyes is Texas. Jim Herman was the coach of Houston. Okay. For, I guess, you know, five or six years, he was the one who originally coached, you know, De'Ara King, and he was great at Houston. So Texas hired him, right? That made, that seems natural. He's from Texas. He coached in Texas at Houston at a smaller school. They hired Jim Herman. Over the course of Jim Herman's career, again, it wasn't great. It wasn't what Texas, Texas was expecting. It wasn't like what Mac Brown was doing back in 2005 when Vince Young was winning Heisman, you know, Heisman championships and national championships. Um, but he was at least winning games and Texas had that one year too, where I think they went, you know, they went 10 and two and they, you know, beat Georgia in, in a big, you know, big new year six bowl. And, and so, and you know, when Sam Ellinger was still there. And so you have at least some success, right? Like we, that's, I think I would compare Jim Herman's success at Texas to what we've seen with Jim Harbaugh and, and James Franklin at Michigan and Penn state respectively. What happened? He didn't win a national championships. Okay. So he's fired. Well, he didn't have a chance. He wasn't given a chance to win a national championship. So who are you going to bring in? Oh, we're going to bring in Steve Sarkeesian. He was the coach at USC. He was the offensive coordinator last year when Alabama was unstoppable and Mac Jones and Devontae Smith and, you know, all these receivers, they went so crazy. Steve Sarkeesian's the answer. Is he the answer? No, they're four and six this year, bro. So it's like, who, like, if you're going to fire these guys, you're not going to even give them a chance and you're going to bring in someone who you think is the greatest thing ever. Well, what, you know, what, what else is there out there? Right. And so now we say, okay, well, oh, Steve Sarkeesian losing record at Texas. He's going to be fired immediately. Who are they going to get? They already, you know, let go of Jim Herman, who I think would have had success there. And so at the end of the day, and then there's nothing against Steve Sarkeesian. I think that if he had, you know, 10 years to build up his recruiting path and everything at Texas, that would be a good option for him, right? He would be able to, to, I think, you know, he's a, he's a competent head coach. I think he'd be able to build up the program, but none of these guys are getting enough, the, the enough time that they deserve to be able to build up these programs. And then when they are fired, they're replaced by guys who like, aren't really that much better than them in the first place. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, I kind of touched that on, on that earlier with the whole thing about, again, Michigan and Penn state, Jim Harbaugh and, and, and James Franklin, like you, yeah, you can fire those guys for not winning a, 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 um, against a, a top 10 team and not winning important games. But again, like you, you're probably not going to find guys better than them as, as much as I hate on Jim Harbaugh. And I haven't mentioned this yet, like on this podcast, I've, I've been trying to refrain talking about Jim Harbaugh, but like, I do not like Jim Harbaugh, dude. He just, just the way, dude, just the way he just stands on the sidelines and like, he's one of those coaches those that gets up on the pants. Line. Yeah. Exa- yeah. The khaki pants and the Michigan hat 
and his little Michigan like quarter zip. And he's 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 standing on the sidelines and he get he goes to the line of scrimmage and he just he's like he's almost like a ref. He's like a he's like an umpire. He's you know like trying to judge if if, if it's a strike or not. He get, he gets down on hands on his knees and he's like looking so intently at the game. It's like dude, you don't need the you're not look you know you're not inspecting like he, he's just having guys up in the huh? yeah he's looking intently upon his team beat indiana by 20 points and then gets smacked by ohio smacked at ohio state by like 25 yeah exactly have have your guys in the booth tell you what's going on dude you don't need to you don't need to be looking so you got other stuff to worry about but yeah i, I don't know i just i don't really like jim harbaugh and just like john harbaugh is fine john harbaugh you know stay with the ravens for a long time he's, he's fine but like jim harbaugh he just annoys me. And I think part of the reason why he annoys me is because he hasn't really done anything in Michigan and he has the biggest ego in the world, but yeah, that's, that's whatever. But again, kind of getting back into the, the bigger scope of this, all these teams that we've talked about, they are like huge teams in college football. I mean, and, and his, like, like Matt said, like historically Miami has been great. You know, Florida has been a great SEC school. LSU, USC, like USC used to be another great back in the day, you know, before the, the 21st century, really. But yeah, they, they've all been really consistent and they're power five schools. And it's just like all the, you know, these coaches moving around, you don't really expect that. Like the top teams in the NFL, you don't see them getting new coaches. Top teams in the NFL, they keep their coaches until basically, you know, they've like, everything's broken loose and everything's and, and everything's, you know, gone to, gone to um, shambles, but. Yeah, no. And, and I think that's, that's exactly what, what's going on here. And, and it's, and it's been accelerated over the course of time too. We see that, you know, in the early 2000s, people were, you know, coaches were given years and years and years to kind of build up their program and build their brand. And that's what helped these bigger teams out. You think about Texas and USC and, you know, in, in Florida, like, they were giving their coaches, you know, five to 10 years to establish a recruiting base in their state to, you know, to get to know people in the area, to, to, to use the booster money in order to, you know, build the program up. But it's like, if, if you're, if you're on a timeline of two years and you don't automatically succeed, well, I feel like no one's really going to have a chance at that, you know, except unless you're at, you know, one of these small schools. So, um, so I think that's kind of going to be the, the interesting thing going forward is like, if you're, if these big programs are going to continue firing these coaches after such a short period of time, a what's going to happen to, you know, to, to those coaches who are being fired, I guess they're just going to go to smaller schools and, you know, probably bring, you know, bring those, you know, the standard up at, at those schools, but then, right. You know, who are you going to hire? That's going to be better than the guy that you just fired. I don't really know. I don't, I don't think that that's a great, you know, that that's a great, you know, business model to be honest. Um, and, and so, and so, right. And, 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 and especially, I think it's especially, uh, you know, important in college and Hayden, Hayden mentioned this earlier, kind of in comparison to the NFL with college, you have to, there's a, a, a completely other side of coaching, which is recruiting. And so you have to establish who, what type of players you want, what type of athletes you want, because you have your own system and you have your offensive defensive coordinators under you who are obviously, you know, running their own systems. But like at the end of the day, like if you're a head coach, you have a lot of responsibility on you outside of just the X's and O's and what goes on on the field. You have to provide for you the, the university. You have to, you know, get to know, you know, the kids who are going to be living in your state and coming up in your state and playing. And it's like, 
that's a lot to do in such a short amount of time. And so I get that at the end of the day, you know, you can be friends with as many people in the community as you want. You can, you know, bring in the university a lot of money, but if you're not winning football games, obviously that's your job as a football coach to win football games. But like, right. What are we talking about? If, if there's no chance to actually succeed in this type of environment, if you're only given two years, how are you supposed to build that foundation that you're, ex- that you're expected to, and then, you know, win all these games on top of it? I, I, I really don't know. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, it, it's just, it's, it's sad to see coaches in, in college football, you know, get booted out of these programs so fast, because again, yeah, you don't have any time to, to really build up your reputation at all. And, you know, then programs kind of get hostile ter- towards certain coaches. And it's just like, you know, if you see, if you see a big, a big coach get fired after one or two years at one school, then other schools are looking at that, like, well, you know, we don't want to take him. And so that kind of just ruins the coach's career. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it, it, it kind of sucks to see that, but yeah, I mean, if, if Matt doesn't have anything else to say, I, I think that we've kind of covered everything here. Yeah, so I think probably what we'll do is, um, you know, kind of continue on this path with with the Saturday episodes. And I think that, you know, this is kind of just to get everything out there in terms of the college football coaching carousel, the the coaches who have been fired um, and kind of, you know, our our suggestions so far. We'll probably do another one maybe at the end of the season um, once that once we've kind of figured out, you know, as as I was talking about with the three, you know, Florida schools kind of see what's going on there. Um, If there's any other big news, news, you know, we might do another kind of episode on this. for you know for for later on in a couple months after the season's over um to kind of see you know maybe if any of our predictions were correct if we got any of this stuff right uh or or also you know just to kind of expand upon the point of you know if, if you're going to fire these coaches, who are you going to get next? Um, so, so yeah, so that's pretty much it for today, but, but definitely kind of, you know, something to put on the back burner for a couple months from now after the college season is over seeing, seeing what actually ends up happening with a lot of these schools. Yeah. So if you guys enjoyed this episode, I hope you did. I, I know that I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. I, you know, today I'm going home today from college for Thanksgiving break. And I was kind of just looking forward to getting on the road, but I wanted to do this podcast before I left because once I get home, I'm, I know I'm not really going to want to do it, even though I, I, I love doing the podcast, but yeah, I'm going to have to take my, my recording equipment home with me though, because we're going to be doing our. Wow. Hayden. That's so cool. I, I actually feel so bad for you and I'm glad that you let everyone know because now they can feel bad for you too. Yeah. Okay. Wow. We're oh, recording. Oh, recording equipment. That's right. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, yeah. Oh, oh, that's, that's totally fine. <laughs> are, you, are you feeling good now? Is that okay for you? Dude, I'm excited because we have our, we have our Thanksgiving episode on Tuesday. You guys be ready for that because it's going to be a banger and we've, we've got our Thanksgiving segment all ready to go. And I, I can tell you already, it's going to be even better and even funnier than the Christmas segment, even though the Christmas segment wasn't really funny because I made some <laughs> kind of questionable um, analogies. <laughs> Very questionable. Dude. <laughs> yeah. But if you guys are excited for that, then stay tuned because on Tuesday that will come out and that'll kind of be a preview to Thanksgiving weekend. And I know I'm excited for Thanksgiving. I know Matt's excited for Thanksgiving. Isn't your favorite holiday Thanksgiving, Matt? It is. Yes. I love Thanksgiving. It's, it's just the best because it's, you know, it, it like, 
the food and the parade and the football, it just, it, it really doesn't get better than that. And there's not a lot of expectations beyond that, except just hanging out with family and, and eating a lot of food and watching football. I can't really imagine anything better than that. It, it does suck now to get, to, for me to get personal a little bit. Um, it does suck now that I'm kind of, you know, not in school anymore. This is the first year that I actually have to work uh, the day after Thanksgiving. I don't have, you know, the entire week off or Wednesday, you know, through Sunday off. Um, so that'll be, that'll be a little bit bittersweet, but it, nonetheless, I'm, I'm definitely excited for Thanksgiving and, and I'll be making the, the, the trek home on, on a Wednesday night and then coming back uh, back here on a, uh, Thursday night. So a uh, little bit of a travel, but, but definitely still, you know, my favorite holiday for sure. Yeah. Boo hoo for Matt. Anyways, okay. I would say that working, you know, a full-time job and being responsible to come in, you know, on, on Black Friday and then the Saturday after also for three hours, uh, you know, is a little bit more of a boo hoo story than, Hayden not wanting to record or not wanting to bring his microphone, put his microphone in his backpack, people. That's what we're talking about, all right? Yeah. Well, I'm walking home anyway. So, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but yeah, thank you guys for listening to this episode, and we will catch you guys on Tuesday. <laughs>